0: Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Ah. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Uncritical. Question me, Rose. Run for your life. Stupid
1: facts, honey. Fatality. I'm Batman. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. This episode is the second part of our 2016 summer series, recorded at Gen Con, the best four days of gaming, and our guest for this episode is a man of many, many hats in the sphere of writing, Maxwell Alexander Drake. After writing his first novel at the age of 12, Drake fell in love with storytelling, and this love has never left him. Drake's writing hats are legion. He was lead fiction writer for Sony's EverQuest next game title. He's been a playwright for movies, TV, and stage, a writer for both video and tabletop gaming markets, as well as having self-published his own work. In addition, to somehow being a professional writer for the last decade, Drake is also an almost constant on the convention circuit, running multiple educational seminars for writers, and is always one of the highest-rated presenters. And it is at this point that we have to extend a very deep thank you to Drake for taking time out of his incredibly packed Gen Con schedule to join us for this chat. Also, a major debt of gratitude to Daniel Doc Myers. Without Doc's help, this meeting would never have happened. Doc was actually a guest on our 2015 Summer Series, and you should totally check out episode 45 of the podcast to hear some fantastic stories about medieval cooking. We pass this interview over to The Diva for her rating. Franku, what did The Diva have to say? The Diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it.
0: It had worked nicely with vinegar.
1: Thank you kindly to both Franku and The Diva for the rating, but for now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, as we release The Geek with Maxwell Alexander Drake.
0: And now we're releasing the geek. So oh, oh,
1: oh, oh. What is your profession? Flavor <laughs> <afraid> everywhere. <laughs> Drake, where? How?
0: You come from Louisiana? Where did it start for you? How well, I did not come from Louisiana? Part. I just, I did grow up. Uh, I was actually born in Georgia. Okay. Um, I was actually talking to some people earlier today. That yeah. Nevada is the sixteenth uh, state that I've lived in. Seventeenth uh, if you include denial. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been around. I've been, I've been East Coast, West Coast, Deep South. Um, Hang on, I, I, you're a writer. The State of Denial should be a, a constant companion, is that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, always, I, you know, I wasn't always a writer. I actually was mm-hmm. in my 30s before I got published. Okay. So, um, I'm in my later 40s now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, it was a it was a midlife change yeah. in, in direction. I was in right. IT and, okay. and stuff like that beforehand. What? Um, well, let's, let's let's cast it further back to the days of Georgia. Yes, days of Georgia. So when I was one to three. One to three, okay. <laughs> and then you moved to Louisiana. No, then we moved to Virginia, and then mm-hmm. West Virginia, and then Tennessee. Um, I don't remember all of the order. Like wow, it's a lot of moves. Any particular reason? Um, lots of different reasons: business, mm-hmm. um, military. All oh, right, you know, mm-hmm. just. Reasons. Sure. What you know, I went to some private schools growing up, so I okay. lived at a couple different of those. Mm-hmm. So the family wasn't necessarily moving, but I was.
1: Right now, as a, as a, almost like a trope, what uh, what sometimes happens when kids are moving around a little bit,
0: tend to turn to books, mm-hmm. tend to turn to those solo sort of. Mm-hmm. Is that something that happened for you? Uh, it did. Uh, I, I can actually play Monopoly by myself really well. Uh, same thing with Risk. I can play Risk by myself. Wow. Uh, I am an only child, so mm-hmm. I didn't have that sibling uh, factor. Gotcha. Um, but I'm also extroverted, and I think that's one of the things that helps me as a writer. Because most mm-hmm. writers... Like, writers want to tell you a story. They just don't want to look you in the eye while they're doing it. Right. Um, and I'm different. I do like people. I do like... Mm-hmm. I, do like um, I like crowds. I like... You know, some people say public speaking is the number one fear of of Mm. most people, and nothing exhilarates me more than being on stage in front of five, six hundred people. I mean, it's just I feed off of them and I feed off their energy, and Mm -hmm. and and it's funny because I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and I started Mm -hmm. writing comedy. That's I never pursued it for money ever. I do have a a project um, that I'm working on that I can't talk about on on this. Um, but it's a, it'll be my first stab back. We're just going
1: to get you to say a few words, and we're just going to bleep them, and we'll <laughs> let people make up whatever they want to make up. <laughs> I can't. I
0: can't. I can't do it. Um, I'll t- I can tell you offline.
1: But nice <laughs> scoop. It's a scoop, but we won't reveal it until it, uh, it comes out.
0: Um, but it's. 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 I'm very. So I write dark, epic fantasy that tends to be lean toward the tragic side. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of humor, a lot of blood and gore, a lot of pain, a lot of tragedy, a lot of bad things happening to good people, uh, and the struggles therein. And the themes that I like to play with in my stories really play heavily on those. In mean, the current pro- project that I'm shopping, uh, the main theme of the story is how much of your soul are you willing to sacrifice for mm-hmm. what you truly love? Mm-hmm. Be that an individual... Um, your own freedom or independence, or just doing the right thing—like mm-hmm. how much, how far would you go? So, when, as a writer, I put, I take these fictitious people and I put them in these fictitious situations, and I push them further than their breaking mm-hmm. point, and I see how far they can go.
1: I had—it's uh, a common theme. Com- regular listens to the podcast will get this. We'll pick up on it. I'm a—I'm a big fan of the moral quandary.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and just the examination of what would you trade off in order to get, and where does that end up leading? How, how, if it's a common theme in your writing, where did you come to that? How did you become entranced by that idea?
0: I've always loved the tragedies. I've always Mm -hmm. loved, um, I like dark stories. I like dark endings. I like contemplating, because my life has never been that way. Uh, my life has been pretty blessed, and and I mean it's not I, I don't know I don't know it's not like I was silver spoon right it's mm-hmm. not like that but it was just I've always you know there's not been a lot of my family members who have died we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of disease we don't like for for a family we live a pretty kind of blessed life mm-hmm. in, in the in the in the middle of you know our society mm-hmm. and. So I don't know. I've always been because it makes me go, "What if? What? What if it was like that? What what would I do? Mm -hmm. How would I deal with, you know, all this pain and all this tragedy and all this death? And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you love your brother to the nth degree, but you find out that your brother is going to eventually destroy the world, what do you have to do to that? Like, Mm -hmm. what is? What is your role in this story now? What? What is it? You know, how? How much? Of this, and you're the only one who knows. Your brother mm. doesn't even know. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Now? And I just made that up, but I'm just saying that's sure. that's the kind of thing that attracts that's the, me.
1: The, the kill Hitler as a child type. of It's analogy. the kill Hitler yeah.
0: as a child, exactly. Mm-hmm. But but more personal. I mean, because I because I've, I've I've thought about the whole kill Hitler thing as a child. And it, but you know you? who he is. Oh heck yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know him. He's not related to me. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could just pop back, do it, and come back, like, why not? Um, But if I discovered that Hitler was my great-great-grandfather and killing him meant I would never existed, now would I do it? Like, it's very personal at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. stories to me, if they're not personal, they're, yeah. they're just not worth it. So, you know, a story about going back in time, a stranger going back in time and killing, you know, the child version of Hitler that will grow up and do these at- mm-hmm. atrocious things, that... You can you can throw in the spin of but you're killing a child, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's that history is fact. Yes. Like the, this is a this is a series of events, you know, that are going to happen in this order. Mm-hmm. Now maybe you go back to the art school, and you're the guy that's like, dude, Hitler, man, that's a great bowl of fruit. You should stay <laughs> doing art. Like don't drop out. No, like art, you're calling, man. Stick don't listen to it. your dad. Like okay, so maybe that's a different way to do it. Sure. But he's still just some random. You know, dude from history. Whereas if you make it personal, and that's what I try to do with my stories Mm it becomes very personal Mm -hmm. to those point of view characters and very difficult decisions and those are what attract me as a a fan Mm -hmm. because I've never been involved in on that and so it makes me push myself outside of my comfort zone and I like to be uncomfortable in my stories. Mm -hmm. I like to force people to be uncomfortable and I like to be uncomfortable myself. Mm -hmm. So it's all about that angle and And, Sorry, no, And there's just not a lot of humor for that So, you know, because I love humor so much I'm very big into politically incorrectness I'm very big mm-hmm. into social incorrectness Because I just, I'm a firm believer That we as humans are different mm-hmm. Period and, and I think those are facts I mean, Difference in, in races, difference in religions Difference in cultures, different. And if you ignore them that silence becomes fear and fear becomes hate and hate becomes violence. Mm -hmm. Whereas, if we can find a way to laugh at our differences, Mm -hmm. if if you're laughing at someone's difference, it becomes more difficult to kill them over those Mm differences. So, I love the politically incorrect run. And, you know, here in America, we have a very different, prejudiced, segregated kind of environment that we live in. And it's Mm -hmm. not just... The the weirdest thing in America, it's not just colors of skin. It's There's financial differences. There's location differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a thick Louisiana accent when I left uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and it was something that I lost very, very fast because, you know, moving up to the East Coast, I would get picked on specifically because I spoke different mm-hmm. um, everything else about me is the same as you but because I have a different accent now I'm outside of the circle even though you're still American and uh, well I mean I could, be, a, could be around accent. a group of white male Americans mm-hmm. but I talk different than you so you know we can't does it come back the more you drink if you get me drunk yes yeah. I, I, it definitely Pro- comes back properly thick yes nice. yes it does alright
1: so challenge accepted um <laughs> <laughs> the I'm kind of uh, there were two ways I wanted to go next with a with a question I, think, I mean yeah Stephen Fry recently ha- I don't know if you're familiar with um, with what happened um, he made some statements against political correctness in relation to rape mm. um, that listen you' you've got to, we've got to stop doing stuff like trigger warning and prefacing all of these things in a safe in a safe way, like I'm going to bring up a topic that might be disturbing for you," he said. "That we have to stop doing those sorts of things because you start babying people, and we become overly sensitive, and then we just can't move beyond beyond things. Is that something you'd relate? You could. I feel the same to? thing. So I
0: don't know how much of this I want to go on. Um, I have a chapter. We can always throw back to comedy writing and, uh, and how you got into it. There you go. Um, so I've got a chapter in this in this current work mm-hmm. that um, it starts off and there's this little thin wisp of a girl and mm-hmm. she's running for her life in, the, mm-hmm. in two o'clock in the morning and there's three drunk sailors chasing her mm-hmm. and there's been a rash of rapes and murders in this area, mm-hmm. and you know so she, this is running through her mind as she 's running and she she slips down an alleyway and she bounces off a wall and she 's thin and tiny and and there's these you know they're big and brutish and they finally and they get to the mouth of the alley and they 're like you picked the wrong hiding hole, girl, because there's no way out of here. And so she runs down and she finds that it's true and that that, that it's basically just this dead end and they come in and, mm-hmm. like, you know, she steps back and they step forward and she steps back and they step forward. And, you know, there's thoughts, that there's looks that they have, they're leering and, mm-hmm. you, know, un, you know, doing all this stuff. And um, I'm a very graphic writer, so it's very much, like, I'm showing you what's going to happen. And then she thinks finally no escape and then she brutally murders them all without really any effort whatsoever because she's not human and she she's so she baited them in there because she was hunting them mm-hmm. that's the chapter and I've had female readers who have read it and gone awesome mm-hmm. that is fantastic and I've had others that have read it mm-hmm. that have gone you shouldn't do that that's just terrible you know why don't you just have them go to rob her and I'm like so it's realistic that three drunk sailors back in a medieval setting where there's no laws mm-hmm. are gonna are gonna chase this girl down at three o'clock in the morning to just take her money Right. and one person mm-hmm. just the other day that that was forced to listen to it because I did it at a read she said well just just you can solve it by just having the, the, the sailors be female that are chasing her and I'm like, why does it need to be solved? Exactly. The reality is, is that rape mm-hmm. is a reality mm-hmm. in our world. Yeah. Like turning a blind eye to it in literature or, mm-hmm. or saying, you know, watering it down, as you said, yeah. I disagree with mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo got a bunch of flack mm-hmm. for that scene in there, but that scene, mm-hmm. Is important to the story. It's important to the character. It's important to the growth of the story and the growth of the character and the Mm -hmm. understanding that of the reader. The reader needs to live that tragic because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I teach POV and and I talk about third the difference between third person omniscient versus the third person limited. Mm -hmm. Third person omniscient is the least immersive POV. It's the one that keeps the readers at the the most distance because you have this third party narrator that's not a part of the story telling the story. So if you to talk about a rape scene but but not immerse the reader in the gore of it mm-hmm. then you do it in third person on the scent mm-hmm. that book's written in third person limited you the reader are the girl who is brutalized in that scene mm-hmm. and it's a tough it's tough it's it's a tough but it should be tough mm-hmm. it should be uncomfortable and horrifying and because it is a uncomfortable and horrifying event in mm-hmm. someone's life right and as a, as a as a artist, as a story creator, my job is, in my opinion, and this Mm -hmm. is obviously my opinion, but my job is to push my readers into that area of uncomfortability, into Mm -hmm. that area that makes them think. Because it's all about the moral message that you walk away with. That's Mm -hmm. what matters. You know, When I teach, I teach, you have the physical layer and you have the invisible layer. The physical layer of that scene is is Mm -hmm. the rape. It's the brutality. But the invisible layer is what you consumed unknowingly, Mm -hmm. which is how do you feel about that on a very personal level do you feel that she was brutalized and it's a horrible thing and you want this you would like to see this type of stuff stop mm-hmm. then you might do something about it or are you ambivalent to it but if it if you don't do it in this fictitious way mm-hmm. you know i'm i've never had, you know, again, I kind of live in this bubble of, of, of not bad things happening. I don't, you know, no one in my family, I don't have anyone close to me mm-hmm. that's had to gone through that. I'm not a man who's ever thought about it. Like, it doesn't cross my mind mm-hmm. to like, ooh, I'm bigger and stronger. I could just take, like, that's not how I operate. Like, you know, that... But and I understand the mentality of those. Like it's not about the sex. Most mm-hmm. most guys who rape are not about the sex. It's about something Power. else. Mm-hmm. So and I get that. Mm-hmm. I just don't have it. So I understand it and I and I can empathize with it. Um, it doesn't mean it's right. I'm just saying I I get why they do it or mm-hmm. what the draw is for it. But because I'm so far removed from it, reading mm-hmm. it in that book makes me someone who has not you know, doesn't mm-hmm. have that in my life and doesn't sure. have that in my mind, okay. have to deal with it. Right. And I just think that if you water it down, I, me personally, I do think it's wrong. Okay.
1: Let me, we'll do a quick recap on that. I, I apologize. So, so we've had this, Indiana lobster. Indiana lobster, Caribbean, Caribbean steak. Caribbean steak. Caribbean steak, mountain oysters.
0: Mountain oysters.
1: All right. Quick recap. And then uh, you write, you write stuff, you write stuff good. Usually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I actually, uh, I was wearing a t-shirt yesterday and I said, when I'm teaching, I'm like, well, you know, you guys are safe because I'm wearing my alma mater. I I am one of the few graduates from the Derek Zoolander's Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good.
1: And want to do other things good, too? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize it was a center for ants. Yeah. (laughs) That was the line when he had the model... This is the oh, centre right, that right, 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 I right. didn't realise it was a centre
0: for ants. Right, right, right.
1: Now, no, Derek, it was a bit different. Okay.
0: Right, I got you. Oh, Sorry, mm-hmm. it was the accent that threw me.
1: I more alcohol. <laughs> Actually, more alcohol on an Australian accent doesn't fix anything. <laughs> So I apologize. You wrote your first book at eight. And then no, you 12. First I was 12 when <laughs> I wrote my first yeah. book.
0: I mean, no one will ever read it. It was written by oh, that's a 12-year-old. Right. You, you,
1: you it was read, terrible. You read The Hobbit at eight. Read The Hobbit so, at eight. Yeah.
0: Um, moved into Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plowed through those at nine. Mm-hmm. Um, by 10, I had started Lord of the Rings. Didn't finish it. Went on to something else. Came back to Lord of the Rings. Didn't finish it. Went on to something else. But by the time I hit my teen years, I was old enough to, to understand and, mm-hmm. and better devour and I've read Lord of the Rings at least a dozen times in my life, Um, but yeah, and then you know from there, really, I think the big thing that got me into it. How did you find Conan? And that's the thing. Well, I'm a big comic book reader, right? And I always have been, and and I like. I mean, um, Stan Lee raised me. I mean, he absolutely. I didn't have a father, and Stan Lee was my dad. I mean, Mm -hmm. not directly, obviously, but Spider Man, (laughs) you know, under Spider Man was such an amazing character for a. You know, single mo- working mom mm-hmm. child, um, because he was going through what I was going through and I could relate to him and I could I could see all those amazing things that he had to struggle with. You did I by a radioactive spider. Yes. You, were, yeah, I had, uh, I had, you were going
1: through some changes. I
0: did go through some changes. Yeah, I had yeah. a lot of hair in places that I didn't understand why I had hair there. Um, and uh, and that shouldn't I shouldn't re- need protection from the this, wind at all. And no. I had this amazing repulsive power to, toward girls. Like, literally, it just shoved them out of the way as I would walk. Um, I think it gave them spidey senses when I was around. (laughs) And they'd be like, danger, danger.
1: "Danger." We need to be wary of this one.
0: So, so yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I stumbled into Conan originally through the the comics. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, devoured those. And then I was like, I can read. And so, you know, picking Mm -hmm. up a, you know, a, a I actually didn't start with any of the, the, the Howard stuff. Um, Robert Jordan was my first Conan, right? And um, you know, from there, all the great writers that that did that, and then and then on, you know, Elric of Mod- El- the Elric of Melnibone series from oh. Moorcock was a yeah. huge influence on me. Um, I didn't. Rosenberg's. I didn't move
1: too far into the Eternal Champion aspects of that.
0: Mm, I didn't only, either. Yeah, only, yeah I did. Elric I, yeah, the the I I, I did struggle through uh, Castle Brass, mm-hmm. um, and didn't get quite far after yeah. that. But Elric right. and Mount of Bone, like it's still. I had to reread it uh, about five years ago, just because mm-hmm. I just remembered how awesome it was and needed to go back. And mm-hmm. then Terry Brooks and David Eddings and. Just, just all those guys that that I grew up on. I've obviously gotten into playing Dungeon Dragons, mm-hmm. and then you know the 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 TSR stuff that came out, as far as like the Dragonlance novels from Weiss and Hickman, mm-hmm. uh, Raymond Feist. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's a guy we heard of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. It was. It, it's just you you know, with all that amazing, that amazing imagination of those worlds and the adventures. There's no way I can go to anything else, and that's what I read. Like I don't read sci-fi because um, I just I love watching sci-fi. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a huge movie fan. We have thousands of movies. Um, I'm mm-hmm. constantly moving, watching TV and movies. That's that's my that's my decompress. So my normal mm-hmm. day, um, I'm after the kids are gone, the wife is gone to school. I sit down. Usually by about eight o'clock, I'm writing. I write new until noon, noon thirty. I'll usually do 3,000 words uh, new. Now is this.
1: It's a, it's it's a question I like to ask a lot of writers what their what their writing practice is when do you do it is this we're sitting down and you're just writing writing words yes even if it's something no. that you're not working on right now no. you're just putting no.
0: stuff down no mm-hmm. uh, I have bills to pay I gotta I gotta write words that are being sold gotcha so um, so I'm a I'm a plotter I, I am a heavy plotter I like to know exactly where my story is going ahead of time I do well in mean, this current project I wrote a prologue. There are things in that prologue that that are introduced that you don't hear again until book four of the series. You can't pants that. You can't go. I'll probably get to Mm -hmm. it someday. Mm -hmm. So let me just throw it in this prologue. Like you need to know where your story's going if you're going to do that level of foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of writers start from the end and work. You know. Backwards, um, Straczynski did that with uh, the Babylon Five series. Yeah. You know, he wrote mm-hmm. that fifth season and then you know worked his way back and then sold it and then started from one and, and all that. Which is why it's mm-hmm. so funny when you look at the credits: season one, he wrote very few episodes; season mm. two, he wrote more episodes; by season four, he wrote every single episode. I he,
1: love B five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you hear about Jerry Doyle? No, just passed away. Oh, yeah, uh, last week. Man, no, uh, I did not hear of, about that. Age of 60.
0: Yeah, yeah that's uh, young. Yeah,
1: he's you know, just passed away. Mm. So We're losing a lot.
0: Mm. Um,
1: there was an allegory that uh, somebody made the, the comment that David Bowie was actually the the linchpin of the universe. And now that he's died, everything else has happened after this.
0: Maybe. Ah. Maybe. I don't pay attention to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um so I live in my fantasy world So I, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I should finish So my, my mm-hmm. day Eight o'clock I'm sitting writing I'm, mm-hmm. I'm literally writing New of something Whatever project And I do have several projects Going on concurrently So if I don't feel like If I don't feel like Killing dragons And whatever mm-hmm. I can switch to killing demons But if I don't feel like Doing that I can switch to killing You know zombies Or sure. you know If I don't feel like Doing killing that I can switch to killing Cthulhu monsters Or mm-hmm. I mean there's, there's There's the theme of killing Right That doesn't change mm-hmm. Um but, uh, but you constant know, I, sense of death. <laughs> there's a lot of death <laughs> in what I do. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, that's my new time, and that's mm-hmm. that's. i You know, I can I can pound out without really working very hard. In my opinion, you know, I can do 700,000 words in a year. Um, Did you have to work f- on your discipline? Oh yes. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I actually stopped um, emotionally growing at 14. And um, and that was hard. Not on me, but it was definitely hard on my parents and my friends and my wife and, <laughs> like, cops. It's really hard on cops. Like, they have a hard time dealing with my stunted emotional. It's a handicap. And, you know, they still How understand it. How
1: regularly does this come
0: <laughs> up? Um, is this? Do we now understand why you moved to 17 different states? I, I was arrested at Angola State Prison once. You were so arrested I, at a prison? Yes, yes, in the prison. I was arrested at the prison. Um... So uh, can we, can we talk about sure? This? It was a mistake. It was actually a clerical error that had happened like five years <laughs> all prior right. to that. All right. Um, mm-hmm. and I had a warrant out for my arrest for grand theft, even though I had renewed my driver's license and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so it was back when I was in it and I was actually going to do a survey. We uh-huh. were going to do this big job to rewire the prison. Yeah. And so, you know, they called me you know all ahead right. of time. Okay. They're like, Hey, you have to bring your driver's license. We do run mm-hmm. a background check on you. I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't break the law. I'm terrified of cops. And it was so funny because we walk in and I'm I'm with one of my techs and I'm in a suit, tie and all this. And you walk in and they they lock you in. Mm -hmm. And I go, this is why I don't break the law, (laughs) because this terrifies me. And then they run the checks and they come in and they're like, all right, well, your tech was cleared through. He can go on in, but we're having a little trouble on yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I sit there and about 15 minutes later, they come back and like, sorry for the wait. We're still having a little trouble on yours. And then about 15 minutes go by and they come in and they're like, sorry, you know, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. It's so just, just keep, keep waiting. It'll be fine. And then about 15 minutes later, the, the biggest human being that I've ever seen in my life comes walking in uh-huh. with handcuffs.
1: And you thought you were going to get away.
0: And and uh, so he arrests me, and I'm laughing because it's funny. I mean, I've, I know I don't break the law. I never leave the house. How can I break the law? Um <laughs> So you know he he handcuffs me, and then he has he has you know leg ankle cuffs, and so I'm like, really? That's that's awesome. In the beginning, I'm thinking I'm thinking it's a joke. Ah. That's what I'm thinking in the beginning, and then when we go out, when I hobble out with my ankle cuffs on in my three piece suit (laughs) and get in the back of the cop car, I realize it's probably not a joke. The bad thing is it was Friday, so the jujitsu. no. Oh. No. So I so you know we're going down I was like look sir I don't I don't really know what this is about and he mispronounced Things Louisiana has some tough, tough cities mm-hmm. uh, as far as pronunciation, and and he pronounced the city as the wrong city, and and I and the wrong city he pronounced I lived in, mm-hmm. and, but I didn't, I didn't. It was at a time where I didn't have business or anything like that, uh-huh. and so he's like, yeah, you know, there's something about grand theft. You stole some stuff from a funeral home, and I'm like, what that, that grand
1: theft yeah. from a funeral? So home.
0: so here's what happened. Here's the reality of what happened. An insurance company sent a check uh-huh. to the funeral home, but they deposited into my account as a bank error. Mm-hmm. The funeral home called the, that day, the day that it was deposited, the funeral home calls the um, the insurance company mm-hmm. and says, hey, where's this money? And they go, well, it's been deposited in this account. So the funeral home calls the bank and they say, well, it's this guy's account. So the funeral home calls the cops, and the cops calls the bank, and says, well, "Who owns this account? This dude." So they put a warrant out for my arrest. They don't do any research, they don't do anything, and then that night the bank That's goes, reverse. "The night that night the bank goes, Shit. hey." There's like $8,000 in this account That wasn't supposed to be there It was supposed to be over here So they Without telling anybody Because it was just a clerical error That hadn't even had one 24 hour period yet Took it out of my account Put it in the right account And the world was a happy place They
1: fixed it Until didn't...
0: five years later When I go to <laughs> Angola State Prison And I get arrested So um, uh-huh. But yeah So we're driving and has, I sit.
1: has that shown up in any of your stories? No, no? Not that guy?
0: No Oh, okay. No, okay. Now I don't do that. Like a lot of people say, do you ever write, you know, people you know in your stories? Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, no, okay. I don't. And have you seen the horrible things I do to people <laughs> I in my wish stories? That like yeah, no. <laughs> and then I get, I also get asked, which, which of your characters are you? And I'm like, do you not see the crap that I drag them through? Mm-hmm. Like none of them are me. Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are horribly unlucky these people. These are,
1: these are figments, so that I don't have to.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So we were were talking about discipline, but and then we went to maturity. Discipline, maturity,
0: (laughs) and there—that shows you my level of discipline. I think it's circular writing right there. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. What what was the what was the push that said I want to do this full time?
0: It really, I I, this 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 is such a pansy thing to say, but it comes down to my mommy. Uh, So living in Pittsburgh, my Mm -hmm. mother hated Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. she hated the cold she hated everything about it. she hated traveling she had retired Mm -hmm. to Vegas hates the Steelers um she doesn't really she's not a sports fan but um but yeah she probably hates the Steelers I Mm -hmm. don't know I love the Steelers um so we had two young kids, mm-hmm. and I was working a very high end job, working you know 60, 70, 80 hours a week, just taking the work home with me constantly, mm-hmm. um, constant twenty four hour phone calls. I was managing twenty six hundred guys spread right. out over like twenty states. I mean, it was a massive you know Shit. kind of thing that I was dealing with, right. and I didn't like it. And you know the the, the I was never home, and and mm-hmm. I had always wanted to write. Again, I wrote my first book when I was twelve. I've written you know just constantly i've always written you know playing DD i was the game mm-hmm. master so i'm the storyteller i'm the one that's going to make up the world that you're going to play in i enjoy that that's where i get my mm-hmm. satisfaction a lot of people are like why would you game master you do all the work mm-hmm. your players just show up roll a few dice kill all your monsters and usually go the wrong direction anyway mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like why do you even spend all this time on because yeah. that's what i love i'm a storyteller mm-hmm. so i've all oh, i had always you know everybody who's ever written anything when you write it, creatively, when you write it, you go, man, what would it be like? Like, what would it be like if this mm-hmm. little piece of paper was not a piece of paper, but was actually a stack of pieces of paper mm-hmm. that was surrounded by a hard cover and right. and on a shelf at a Barnes and Nobles, mm-hmm. and I was making a living at that? I mean, you, you can't write and not think that. I mean, I just think that's kind of the draw to it. And so... She actually said, you know, I never paid for your college. You know, she was very successful in business and she retired to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And she said, why don't you move to Vegas? I'll pay your bills for a year and you can write. And of course, like everyone who's ever gotten into writing, I went, man, a year's all I need. Like, I'll write my first (laughs) book, I'll make a billion dollars, Uh it's easy, anybody can do it. Oh my God, they're already standing outside, and I haven't even gotten off the phone with my mom. You you know they're going (laughs) to be out there. So, (laughs) it's gone into the ether. Yeah. yeah. Drake's going to write. Right. Start lining up. Let's do it. So, uh, a year later, I went back to work. Um, because I was starving and needed <laughs> needed food, um, but it it's, it gave me the mm-hmm. itch. It gave me the mm-hmm. it gave me the you could take this serious. Mm-hmm. You could, and so I did the Hollywood actor dream thing. I took a job with a ton of flexibility mm-hmm. that. I've always been really good in sales so it was a commission only job that Mm -hmm. I could make I mean I was making 10 grand a month Mm -hmm. working 20 hours a week which gave me a lot more time to you know do some other things and he's looking he's checking uh, the levels and allowed me the time to write and to go to writers conferences and writers events and Mm -hmm. and study and learn and and just just devour grammar and and the English language and Mm and everything that needs to go on that you need to learn to do all this stuff mm-hmm. and from there you know i got some i had already had things published but you know got some bigger things published and started getting some income coming mm-hmm. in and traveled and done, did fan conventions and writers uh, you know started speaking at writers events at Look, that point that was
1: that was one thing i did want to ask after you've, you've made the decision to start writing what made you decide to want to give back and well <laughs> Is that the way? Are we looking at
0: it from an yeah, no, altruistic point of view? It was totally selfish and totally okay. self-serving. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm uh, first after my first novel came out uh, back in '08, mm-hmm. um, I was spending money on these conventions, and mm-hmm. so you know it's the, the airfare or the travel, the hotel, the booth. You know, uh-huh. you're talking twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars to yeah. do a convention. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, you do know that if you had, like, a class on this stuff that you could teach up there, they might give you a free booth or maybe even pay your way here. And so I was like, wow, I could talk on writing because I've taught before anyway. Benevolent self-interest is awesome. So (laughs) I wrote a class, and it was... It blew them away. Nice. So here's here's why I think I'm successful. There's there's two reasons. One, I'm extroverted. And I'm really good at being an idiot on stage. So I'm funny and I'm enjoyable and, mm-hmm. and I'm self-deprecating. And I will call you a bitch and kick you in the teeth. And then I'll say, but don't worry about it. I'm a bitch and I'm missing a couple teeth too. <laughs> so like, like you're offended, but then you're not. So mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, so I think that helps. But really what it is is when I was going to writers' conferences, when I was going to fan events – Uh, And obviously not all of them do it. I'm going to generalize here. There are some amazing speakers out there. I just didn't find them. So I would go to a panel of a writer and it had a topic. Mm -hmm. It was a topic on the, like it said, writer name speaking on this topic. Mm -hmm. And I would go, ooh, I want to learn about that topic. That topic is something interesting to me. Mm So I would show up, and it would be an hour event, and they would spend 30 minutes talking about them and how awesome they were and that they want you to buy your book. Mm-hmm. Then they'd spend five minutes talking about that topic, and then it would spend 25 minutes going back to why they're so awesome and why you should buy their book. And I always, I just sat there going, I paid money for this. If I ever get up there, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not what I'm doing. So I, I spend a copious amounts of time creating my classes. They all have handouts and PowerPoint presentations. They are all 50 minutes long of information, mm-hmm. and none of it is about me. So I, I spend a minute talking about myself in the beginning, and then I do my thing, and then I spend a couple minutes saying, hey, you know, if you do like, if I taught you something, whatever, I would appreciate the support. You know, mm-hmm. I am doing this to make a living, so mm-hmm. anything, you know, if you felt a bone my way, it'd be awesome. If not, I hope you got something. You know, we talked about this topic that mm-hmm. you came to, to listen to for an hour. So, you know, that's it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So it's just and it just seemed that that level of commitment to teaching writing mm-hmm. has really blossomed into, you know, I have almost a uh, uh, 20 classes now. I've got the creative writing book that just dropped this mm-hmm. year. I've got the, the Drake U website um, that just launched, DrakeU.com. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting all of my um educational stuff on there I've got handouts on there I'm going to be doing videos on there I'm going to be doing I mean I've gotten actually where it started as this very self-serving kind Mm -hmm. of venture I really do take a lot of pride in the fact that I have an entire bookshelf at home now filled with books that were sent to me with my name and the acknowledgments that even if, if it wasn't for Drake's classes, this book would not have existed. Mm-hmm. And I mean I've just there's I've got at least fifty to sixty books that have been sent to me with my name and the acknowledgments that that these people took my classes and and that's what caused them to finish their product. And and that's you don't get a better honor than that. Like you just in my opinion, it just it really is humbling to feel like the the stupid joke you know, deranged Ramblings that I do up on stage actually have any type of impact.
1: How many conventions would you do in a year?
0: So back in the day, um, which back in the day just ended two years ago, or you know last year, um, (laughs) but before last year, back in the day, I was doing twenty-four to twenty-eight conventions a year. So I was on the road 110 days a Bloody year. Hell. Yeah, it was, I mean, I'm a young, starving writer. I'm, I got to get out there. I got to shake the hands. I got to kiss the babies. I got to, you know, I got, it's grassroots politics here. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got to get out there. You got to buy my my hearts
1: and minds one person at a time. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm selling, you know, I'm selling books. That's what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm shucking them. And uh, then doing the classes. And then I, I reached a point where conventions that I didn't speak, um, I couldn't, you know, nobody. I mean, I look like an idiot. And so mm-hmm. you look at me, and you're like, man, that guy's an idiot. I'm not buying his book. It's going to be terrible. And then you come hear me talk, and you're like, the guy still looks like an idiot. <laughs> but he he actually seems like he can string a sentence together, right. and, you know, intellectually. So let's let's check it out. I mean, it probably sucks, but we'll at least well, give him that. give it a nod. Right. We'll yeah. at least give it, a, we'll give it a look inside on Amazon sure. anyway, right? right? Yeah. Um, so I stopped doing conventions that I wasn't speaking at, and then mm-hmm. I kept going I, uh, bigger and bigger. And, you know, Comic-Con, mm-hmm. Comic-Con and Gen Con... I've literally spoken at um, multiple panels for six years now. This is my mm-hmm. sixth year at both speaking um, writers conferences. I've become a standing instructor at several different writers conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just kind of grown. It's just, and and I'm, I am, a, I am a 14 year old, so I am like a ball <laughs> of energy, and I'm, I'm constantly like jumping around on stage and like, like. My wife says, if you didn't do this for a living, you should be an evangelical, pre, you know, uh, mm-hmm. event. Evangelican priest or preacher. Mm. Um, because if I had my own show and uh, preaching the word, like people would be sending me money. Um, <laughs> that's what she keeps saying. Uh, One
1: course, uh, something you just mentioned there that I think is, is a bit common for new writers, the idea that you, you almost have to shill yourself. You have to get out there and self-promote. Now, for an extrovert, that's easy. Right. Do you do a course on how does a writer... How do you get over these humps of you need to sell yourself here?
0: And again, you you know, one of the statements you'll hear all the time in writing is write what you love. And it's the same thing with teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not an introvert. Mm-hmm. Like I'm that guy that if you're in line with me and we've got five minutes, you are there to entertain me. So I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. I'm going to mm-hmm. introduce myself and I'm going to say, what do you do? How you doing? Because I got five minutes of boringness and you mm-hmm. are now my entertainment. Right. Um, and then we're done and you go off and I go off and I never see you again for the rest of my life but mm-hmm. that's fine you fulfilled your you know your purpose in my life has been <laughs> fulfilled so the rest of the world have made commodities to you Ken. exactly the world is a stage <laughs> and everyone is actors and I'm the guy paying admission <laughs> so like that's my philosophy you're here for my entertainment I like it um, <laughs> so I'm just I'm that guy that will I will talk to anyone at any time mm-hmm. for any reason it doesn't Matter. Right. Um, I fit in with every group. I'm just. I'm a very easygoing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't have a class on how to be crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can teach crazy. So.
1: No, it has to be infected. Yeah. Only you
0: can teach it. It's yeah.
1: it, it's transmission.
0: Well, and I, you know, I yeah. bite at least ten people at every convention, just nice. randomly. But I don't know if that. I don't know if that's helping, or um, just causing more restraining orders. So.
1: I'm trying to make a Zika joke and I can't, I can't think of it.
0: <laughs> We're actually um... I'm just trying to be Patient Zero of a, of the zombie apocalypse. Okay. I just I just feel like if uh, I just you, bite enough people be, eventually one of them to be like be the main vector. Yeah. yeah right? I want to be like, Patient Zero, man. Who who would be more famous in a post-apocalyptic world than Patient Zero? I mean, if you want fame? Actually, I, I think in a post-apocalyptic
1: world, the people surviving wouldn't give two shits. who... <laughs> 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 who was the bastard that kicked this off <laughs> I need to survive again Look, well, if I ever find him I will totally shove a shovel into his forehead but otherwise no. Yeah. we actually yeah, um, I think if it's alright I'm going to wrap up with one final question and that would be what what pearl of wisdom what is what is a particular lesson that you have learnt or one piece of advice that you could share with the people listening that you think could really help them along in their dreams, desires, goals of wanting to be a creator, wanting to wanting to write, wanting to be more of a geek.
0: And and this is where it comes down to my nomenclature why people call me the dream killer. And it, and it's, again, it's not about being a dream killer; it's about being pragmatic. If you If your mom says you're the best writer in the world and you really believe her and she's like, you're so special and the world's going to line up to buy everything you ever sold, just go out and do it. And so you self-publish your book and you totally believe your mom that you're going to make a million dollars just tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The average income of first book, the average, um, is $268, I think is what it was last year. Um, If you think you're going to make a million dollars and you make 268 bucks, you're going to be crushed. If the expectation is, you know, I just do this because I love it and I I truly love it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to make a dime. I don't even care. Like I'm gonna keep my day job, because I know that you can't make money in in all this stuff, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I gotta do to pay the Mm -hmm. bills and feed the family, but I'm gonna do this on the side because it's my passion, it's what I love to do. You throw it out there and you make 268 bucks. You're gonna be like, holy crap, this is awesome. It's the same 268 bucks. Like it still Mm -hmm. doesn't buy much. Yeah. However, One expectation will kill you. The other will elate you. Um, It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but 100% of all writers who quit writing do not become successful writers. And if you have this expectation that you're going to win the lottery Mm -hmm. and you miss that expectation, which you will, Mm -hmm. then you will quit. If you have this expectation of I write and I create because I love it. It's my passion. Look at this. Mm -hmm. Read this. I don't care if you like it or not. Just read it and and give me some, I'm improving, Mm -hmm. I'm working, I'm I'm doing everything I can to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. Don't treat it like an amateur. If you want to become a professional in this career, treat it like a profession. Like go to school, study, use the internet, read books, read, you know, go to conventions, um, do everything you can to improve yourself, Mm -hmm. but do it for the passion, not the money. Because the money is not there. Well, I, I, I was sitting with, a, with, an, with an acquisition editor from a, one of the Big Five publishers last night. And he, and he made the comment, look, I'm not getting rich off this. So there's no way in hell I'm going to pay you enough money to get rich off of this.
1: <laughs> well, it's, the expectation is there from the start, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Drake, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being Man. gracious with your time. And I uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully, this we can get fun. you down to, uh,
0: to South awesome. Africa in 2017. That'd be awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much.
1: That was Release the Geek, the official
0: podcast of Geek XP. what the chain of command is.
1: It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in ruttin' command here.
0: To contact the show, you can email us at releasethegeek, one word, at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back.